For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Yeah, what's happening, everybody? Appreciate you guys joining us. This is the Triple Threat Podcast. We took last week all let anybody enjoy their Thanksgiving, but we are back. Me and my man Scotty D are back here on the Triple Threat Podcast. We want to continue to stress to you guys. Thank you for joining us. Number one, we want you guys to continue to subscribe and listen. Tell somebody, uh, promote it for us. We love doing this. We love bringing you all these interesting stories each and every week from all these interesting guys. Uh, around the world, so we thank you for that. But uh, continue to follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we're on YouTube, Facebook. You can find us anywhere. Type in Triple Threat Podcast, and we are live and live in color. My man Scotty D is back this week again. Scotty D, what's up, bro? How you doing? How is it, man? How are you doing? Did you have a good uh, Thanksgiving? Yeah, man. Thanksgiving was good, man. We had good. a good time, man. Uh, my wife, uh, her mom... And dad came up, so we uh, had some good cooking, had some good eating, and uh, had a good time. Did you do anything special for Thanksgiving? Well, we saw a family that we haven't seen in a, in a, in a minute. You know, we, you know you, you're so restricted lately, but we got to uh, spend – we spent a night with my in-laws. We spent a couple nights with my parents and uh, just ate a lot and <laughs> uh, got to see some, some uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff like that. So it, it was good, and uh, I missed you. But uh, you know, it was it was it was a nice break for sure, right? No doubt, man. It was good, man. It definitely had got into the swing of doing it every week and you know talking and having a good time. But uh, uh, we had fun, man. It was good. So glad to hear you had a good time, bro. Uh, we got a, a really cool conversation we got going on today. My man Michael Jenkins is going to join the Triple Threat Podcast here in a little bit. Michael Jenkins played for Ohio State, big time receiver. Played for the Falcons. Played for the Vikings. And is doing some really cool things now in his life. And we got a bunch of uh, good stories he's going to tell us, like the national championship game where they played against Miami in 02. He's going to talk about the first pass he ever caught from Matt Ryan, which went for a touchdown. Uh, so we got a lot of cool things to, to holler at old Jake about today. So it's going to be fun when we jump on with him. Uh, but other than that, man, let's jump into some of the things that's going on around the world in sports. Uh, obviously, last week in the National Football League had a lot of interesting stories. And I think the probably the most interesting story to me was the Broncos in New Orleans. I know it's been talked about, but we haven't had a chance to talk about it, Scotty D, so we're going to talk about it. Yeah. As a guy who played the quarterback position, to not have the opportunity to have a quarterback on that team, I almost thought about calling the Denver Broncos and saying, hey, I can go play quarterback for a couple plays for you if you need me and get that check. But what did you think about the Broncos not having a QB to start that game? Actually, Kendall Hidden, who played receiver, was the quarterback in their Broncos game. Yeah, it was uh, – that was – I think on the field, this might be the most interesting news 
interesting thing to happen in an NFL game that I can remember. There's been some, <laughs> there's been some crazy off field issues with, with people and stuff, but right, right. Um, to, to, to not have a quarterback is, is just the most bizarre thing. I was uh, Sunday in the middle of the game. I heard them, whatever I was watching, they cut in and said, so far, these are the passing stats. Taysom Hill was three for seven with seven yards passing. Should be playing and, and the other guy was, was 0 for six or whatever he was. And, and it was, I think it was midway through the second quarter or something. It, it was just, yeah. it's just a bizarre thing. Yeah. He ended up going one for nine, 13 yards in the ball game. It was, I don't know how people watch the ball game. I couldn't even watch it. Uh, the QB play was horrible. Saints end up getting the win. But uh, it was unfortunate to see that. And obviously because the Broncos had a little COVID tracing going on in their quarterback room, they had no quarterback available. But they will have their quarterbacks practice this week, so they should have uh, the guys back this week, which should be interesting. And then also I thought another surprise, was what the Falcons did to the Raiders. Mm. The Raiders were thought to be a contender. Scotty D, are you buying or are you selling? Are you saying they're a contender or they pretender? All that kind of stuff with the Raiders. No, I'm 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 still buying. Um, it, it, this wasn't an issue where there was there was a bunch of injuries or something. I think it was. Are, are they as good? Are they the best team in the AFC? No, I don't. I don't. I know they're not in the top two because I know that's the Chief and the Steelers. For sure. But, but I think they're 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 definitely gonna make you know they'll make the playoffs as a wild card, um, and, and I think they they have a chance to win a first round game. Uh, so I think they're a legit team still. I think they just had a bad week, and I don't know. I, I guess being being a uh, an Atlanta resident, I'm not gonna say Falcons fan yet. Uh, but uh, I, I'm more curious. Scotty, is, you off the bandwagon. You cannot get back on. I'm telling you that. Oh, all right. Can't get back. Well, so you good with that? You good with that? You don't care about getting back on? Well, I don't. I don't listen to you, so. Other <laughs> um, fans ain't gonna let you get back on, Scotty. <laughs> well, you can't be on and off. Well, I, I, my question, I'm more interested in is, so yes, I think the Raiders are legit, I, and I think okay. they'll they'll be back at it next week. They had a bad okay. week. It happens, yep. right? Uh, right? They're they're a relatively young team too, or relatively inexperienced as far as as being in this position, but. Anyway, my, my, my question is, what are the Falcons def- – I don't expect them to hold people to six points every week, but are the Falcons right. defense making those kind of s- strides that it looks like? Because I, I actually think they played pretty decent early yeah. on in the Saints game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's only so much you can do when your team can't, can't move the ball. So I, what do think, you think? I think this is a lasting thing for the Falcons, and I say that because of how they play. Not – kind of what they did, but how they played, I think has transferred into being a really good defense. The things that I call are non-negotiable. Effort, intensity, playing with attitude, playing with energy, all those things are non-negotiable when you're playing the game of football. And I thought that defense has done that since they've taken over with Raheem Morris and they play at a high, high level. Now, they did some things scheme-wise that guys are flying to the ball. They're contesting balls down the field. They're rallying to the football. They're tackling really good. They're getting the football out like they did last week. This is a team that has really transformed the way they play. So I think this is a defense that I think is here to stay. Uh, One thing I'll ask you, though, Scotty, do you think Raheem Morris has done enough to be in consideration or have an opportunity to keep this job as head coach? Um, 
Yeah, I, I think that's without question to be certainly to be considered and certainly and, and not as, a, as some kind of token. And I don't mean Rooney rule token. I just mean it, it not a token interview because he's already on staff. Yeah, right. I think he's absolutely done enough. Now, is he is he the right person for the job? When it, when this initially when he got put in as the interim, um, I was not for him because my ex, what I know of his head coaching experience wasn't great. Um, and, and I got to keep a pretty close eye on him as a Falcons fan then that, that, you know, I got, I, I knew what was up. I always know what's up with the Bucks and the Saints and the Panthers. So I was not, I was not in favor of him being the, the long-term solution, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's earned it. He, he's definitely changed my mind a little bit. Not that that matters, nope. but, but okay. uh, yeah. No, every, everything matters. I mean, everybody has an opinion and ain't nothing wrong with, with giving it. So I like it. That's why I asked you about it, bro. Um, the Falcons got another big game this weekend. They play against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a big-time ball game. The Saints are trying to hold that number one seed at the top of the NFC. Seattle's coming on. The Packers coming on. A lot of teams in the NFC are starting to come on. The Saints, the Falcons, can anything be better this week if you're a Falcon fan? Do you think there's an opportunity to actually get a win? And you got to remember, Tayson Hill hadn't really looked good in his first two games. They won but he hasn't played pretty well. You just talked about it. He had like three completions in the Denver game. Not really mm-hmm. good QB play. Can the Falcons get a win versus Saints who are still trying to be one of the top teams in all of the National Football League? Well, I, I, I think the, short, the, the easy answer is no. I, don't, I, I, wouldn't pick the, I wouldn't pick the Falcons to win this game. Um, but at the same time, which Falcons are you going to get? Are you going to get the Falcons we saw last week? Are you going to get the Falcons right. and, and against the Vikings of several weeks ago? Or right. are you going to get the Falcons that played the Saints last week? I yeah. think the more important question than Taysom Hill is, like I said, I think we actually played defensively good against them in the first half two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I say we. The Falcons played good against them two weeks ago. But the can we do something against their defense? That's the, that's the question. We've got an explosive offense. Yeah. When given when given a chance, what what, what can be changed with with our? I'll, I'll flip it back to the other side of the ball and send it back to you again. What can we do offensively to to God to handle the edges a little bit uh, and move the ball? Yeah, that's a good question because yeah, what eight sacks last game when you played the Saints? Cameron Jordan had three or four himself. I mean, protecting number two is probably the most important thing you can do in this ball game. You're going to get Ty Gurley back. You're going to get Julio Jones back. Uh, Calvin Ridley was banged up a little bit, but they said he uh, practiced all this week. So uh, the biggest thing is I think you got to get the football out. The Saints played an unusual defense where they played press man coverage and they played inside leverage. The Falcons love some of those in-breaking routes, so they tried to take that away. This ball game comes down to the Falcons receivers winning. If you can't win on the outside and create separation, that's the number one thing. If you can create separation on mm-hmm. the outside, you got a chance to get the ball out of the hands of Matt Ryan. And a lot of people talk about the eight sacks, and it came from the offensive line. No, it's a combination of everybody because Matt had to hold on to the ball because those receivers won't get separation. So the Falcons receiver absolutely must, must get – away from that man-to-man coverage. If not, you may see similar things. So we'll see. I, I'm totally with you, Scotty D. I don't know which team's going to show up. I think they will play with a different pride because they got really embarrassed yeah. the first time in New Orleans. So I expect them to play a little bit differently in this ballgame. I expect it to be a, a closer contest and even more competitive. So we'll see, man. We'll see. Uh, other big games, Rams and Cardinals. 
Uh, Arizona uh, has, you know, been the, the ill bug a little bit in the last few weeks and not been able to uh, get wins, and they're trying to stay uh, up in that, that NFC West, which is a really, really good division. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about bad divisions, also in the NFC, the NFC East. Oh, Everybody gosh. under 500. Nobody wants to win that. Who, who's going to win that division, Scotty? Who, who, who has the upper hand? I mean, the only team that has their starting quarterback is Philadelphia Eagles. But we saw what they looked like. They didn't look too good the other night. So what's going to happen, man? I think it's going to be the teams that were the least likely to win it. It's going to be either the Giants or the Reds. Sorry, is the Giants or the Washington football team. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those two that win it because they they have they've won a couple games here. Um, now you know they may win the division with with five six games, but you also man if you look at, at some of their schedules and I don't have it in front of me, but um, I think it's Philly has an absolutely brutal schedule remaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's tough sledding and for Philly, so we'll we'll see which team actually wants to win that division as the season uh, progresses. Uh, Last thing to talk about in the NFL, man, we got a bunch of the rookie quarterbacks that have made their debut this year. Joe Burrow, I thought, even though they haven't won tons of ball games, have played pretty good till he got hurt. Uh, Tua looked looked decent in his first two games when he played, but now he's a little dinged up as well. Uh, Justin Herbert has probably been probably the most impressive, but hasn't translated to wins. Mm. Uh, who are some of those young QBs you like right now as uh, – you think about here, we're going into, what, week 10, 11 of this season. Well, Burrow was winging it around before he got hurt. That He he was definitely impressive. Um, Tua, I don't think he was um, – I think they were winning games with him mostly because of their defense. They had – in his first two games, they had, I think, three uh, defensive or special teams touchdowns, Yeah, I believe. Um, so, they were winning – I mean, they were winning – well and he was he was handling things I think he's I think he'll be fine um but Justin Herbert I think to me has been the most impressive for sure I just that if if I don't know if you remember but we talked about these these guys uh before the season started and I said I think because Carson Wentz gets hurt I thought Jalen Hurts would be the first person that would that would get some serious playing time now I didn't know that somebody was going to stick a needle in Tyrod Taylor's lung I didn't oh, man. you know I didn't know that the, that the fact that the Dolphins were going to pull uh, Fitzpatrick unexpectedly, and and, and, I, and I don't think and I don't think for a good reason still, but um, I, tell me what you think about Jalen Hurts, man. Unbelievable, man. I, I, I you know when you bring a guy in and you play him once <clears throat> one play, you bring him in and play another play, and I know he got in the game and he had a play where Carson Wentz wasn't on the field, and then you pull him on third down. My question is, what are you proving? What are you trying to get done? Like, what are you saying to either quarterback? Better yet, what are you saying to Jalen Hurts about his development? We bring you in for one play, you throw an out route, you bring out the game, and then nothing. Like, what are you seeing out of that one play that mm. says, okay, well, let's try to get him in the ballgame? I think, obviously, this has to come from a higher up. This has to come from somewhere um, at a different level that wants Jalen Hurts to play in his ball game. Obviously, he had to, he had to go out and draft him, but yeah. – Play the guy one play and then nothing. Uh, it's I just don't understand the logic behind it. Um, maybe it's so, it's so confusing, man. And I understand both sides of which you play because you got Carson Wentz on a hundred million dollar contract. I get that that somebody like that you you don't want him to be on the sideline, yeah. but 
I also see that, you know, if, if you've seen enough bad things from Carson Wentz that somebody may want to test the waters with Jalen Hurts. And here's the thing, I think in a normal year and they're three and seven or whatever their record is, um, you, you do go with Jalen Hurts. But right now they're still in contention to win their division. So you got to kind of you got to kind of juggle all that. There's a lot of yeah. different dynamics. Yeah, man. So maybe we find out later in the year what his actual plan is for Jalen Hurts if they use him more. But like you mentioned, they're right in the middle of the race. So uh, I guess they're going to try any way to get W's and get wins. All right, let's jump into some college football now. Remember, got my man Michael Jenkins coming up here in just a couple minutes. And let me talk a little college football. My man Michael Jenkins, Ohio State and Falcon alumni, will come on and talk to us. A lot of big things happening in college football. The first thing I want to start with is Maryland and Michigan. They're going to cancel their game for this weekend. And it's not going to be rescheduled. It's going to be postponed. And it comes in and says, we have seen an increase in the number of student athletes unavailable to compete due to positive tests and associate contact tracing through our most recent tests. So another one is out for this weekend. And we've seen a bunch of that happen this week. Uh, coming up and also this year. The ACC, we saw say as well that Notre Dame, just, hey, they're going to limit the ACC. All their games are going to be done. ACC, Notre Dame is already in to the uh, ACC championship game. Clemson wins this weekend. They're in. So uh, they kind of said basically we're just going with Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami to see how these guys end up, and then we'll see how our season goes. So a lot of uh, cancellations have happened this season. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, how 2020 has been so far and how it's done in college football, bro? Man, it, it's been – it's it's frustrating to me. Part of it uh, – and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just frustrated at the situation. Um, it, it, I, I find every week as we move on, there's less and less interesting storylines and less and less interesting games and matchups as we as we move forward. Like, And it's not all COVID-related. It's, it's just weird stuff. Like Indiana, who in, I, I didn't know anything, of, you know, I had no idea what Indiana was going to be this year. And and this week they're they're supposed to play Wisconsin and their quarterback goes out, you know. And, yeah. and so I, I hate it for that kid. I hate it for that program. Um, that you look was good versus Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I, I think they were they were maybe one of the they were one of the best stories of the year, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's frustrating frustrating for everybody and I'm shoot I'm just somebody that's uh you know watching Mm. watching games I can't imagine what it's like for these kids and 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 everybody that's more directly involved in this stuff Scotty D I know you had some big picture questions uh for the rest of the season uh what's gonna happen you know as the season ends uh (laughs) let's jump into those real quick man and uh we we had kind of a little spirited conversation before we came on talking about some of those things uh obviously uh, some of the QBs that are going to be coming out in this draft, a bunch of uh, really talented guys from Mac Jones to Felipe to Trey Lance from North Dakota State. Uh, you, you got a bunch of dudes in this draft class. Zach Wilson, who at BYU. I mean, you got a lot of dudes who are going to make a name for themselves in the draft. Um, what are you thinking about some of these kids that are coming out now and their ability to play in the next level? Well, I, 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 I think it's going to be fun to watch them pan out or shake out. Um, I'm curious to, to how big the gap is between Trevor and Justin Fields, for example, or um, Trey, Trey Lance, right? Yep. I, yep. I, I know we cleared that up before. Uh, yep. Is Trey Lance, uh, is, he, is he up there in that talk as well? 
because uh, I haven't seen him throw, I haven't seen him play it down, so I, I, I can't speak. I just know I hear his name, so somebody likes him. Um, you know, is 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 the BYU quarterback legit? Are Mac Jones and Kyle Trask pro actually pro prospects? You know, because because yeah. you see, because it's happened all our lives where somebody is is a terrific college quarterback and it doesn't pan out. You know, based on scheme or, or whatever. Um, so I'm curious what, how you think that, that the quarterbacks will shake out, you know, by answering a couple of those questions. I think that uh, those guys you mentioned at the top are NFL ready. I think when you watch them on a weekly basis, they make NFL type throws. They make NFL type decisions. They are accurate with the football. Uh, you look at the top two guys, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, what they've done over the last couple of years. I think since Trevor Lawrence stepped on campus, he has been the guy that everybody looks at is the prototypical, has it all. And he showed last year he's mobile enough, too, in that game versus Ohio State. Justin mm-hmm. Fields is a guy who brings that dual threat ability. Uh, Trey Lance, I've had a chance to see him. The dude is dynamic. The guy can throw it. He can run it. He is an extreme talent. And I know he did it uh, in North Dakota, uh, same place Carson Wentz went. But I think it doesn't matter. The dude has the ability to play at the next level. Zach Wilson, another kid. You watch at BYU. You look at what he's done with his ball club, the way he plays, the way he puts these guys in positions to win. And then we're two guys who see Mac Jones and Felipe. I mean, not Felipe, but Felipe Franks, another guy who we talked about in the conversation. But Mac Jones and uh, our guy Kyle Trask, we'll we'll see. We've seen those guys weekly put up numbers. And from a quarterback, I like what I see out of both those guys, the poise, the calmness. And since Trask has stepped into that starting role, has looked like a guy who's played for four years. And we know – Mm. He didn't play until last year, the first time he played since high school. But he has definitely, you know, grown. So I think all these guys have the ability to play at the next level. They will be guys who will be featured in franchise guys. Um, so it's going to be fun to see where they shake out, where they go, and what the, the draft analysts really believe about these guys. So I'm leaning on you here. You say Trey Lance is also good with his feet? Yep, yep. Very well, athletic see, mobile guy. I don't, think that, I don't think that Justin Fields is, is a – Lamar Jack and I'm not saying you are but I don't think he's he's a mobile threat like Lamar Jackson is but I think he's he's and I don't think he wants to be I don't think I don't think Justin Fields wants to be a guy that that's running all over the field you well, know the he, thing the thing with him is he has the ability to make guys miss and he can extend yeah, plays yeah that's what that's what I think the next level needs because of how right. athletic the guys are up front that's and what they're going with yeah. yeah I don't I don't think that I don't, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I don't think that what people want is, and I think, I think a lot of fans don't get it. Don't get this is that I don't think teams are looking for Lamar Jackson types necessarily. They're just looking for people that can move in the pocket and get, and get out, you know, get out of the way, take two steps forward when it's needed to just yeah. admit, to miss a defensive end coming at him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's something that all those top guys could do. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to watch how the, how this QB class shapes up. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, it's going to be a very talented class of guys that are coming up, and uh, we, we'll look forward to see it. So this weekend in college football will be a lot to watch, a lot to look forward to. Um, coming up next, we got my man Michael Jenkins, who is joining the Triple Threat Podcast. I mentioned it, he's going to be here. He's going to be talking about a lot of great things here on the Triple Threat Podcast. Stay tuned as my guy, Michael Jenkins, coming up next.
And welcome back to the Triple Threat Podcast. I told you I had my man, my special guest, my guy coming on, my partner from a long time, been buddies with this dude for a good little minute now. Uh, I want to welcome to the Triple Threat Podcast, my guy, Michael Gerard Jenkins. <laughs> house. Yes. <laughs> yes. Jake, Jake, what up? You wouldn't expect that middle name to come on now. Huh? No, nah, man, you can't let anybody know my middle name, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no wrong with that, man. You got to let people know who y'all, man. I know they know Michael Jenkins, but they don't know Gerard. They don't know Gerard. They don't know Gerard. Don't know Gerard. Yeah, don't know Gerard. <laughs> hey, man, uh, first off, man, appreciate you coming on the show, man. I know you got a lot going on. Uh, busy family guy, uh, busy working. You got all kinds of things in the works. Uh, but first off, man, how you doing? How the family doing? How everybody doing, bro? Man, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, man. Proud of you. Donald, Eugene. Whoa, 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 whoa. Way too far. Way too far. Yeah, yeah. you got to take it both ways, man. You got to go both ways. Uh, appreciate you, man. I'm proud of you, man, and uh, seeing the growth and success you've had ever since leaving the Falcons, man. It's been it's been a pleasure seeing you grow up in the media world and doing your thing, man. So just wanted to say uh, we watch, we see you, man. We see uh, the, the achievements you're doing and, and just really proud of you, man. So it's awesome to see Jake, I appreciate that, man. Now, you you in the media world too now, so don't act like I'm the only one in it. Uh, you got a show uh, you do on Fox as well, man. Tell, before we get into all the other kind of stuff, kind of tell the people about the show you're doing now and uh, when they can watch it, because obviously that's a big part. We'll make sure everybody see that. Yeah, man. I got I got invited to the crew on the Dirty Bird Report, Fox Five, every Sunday night at 11:30. It airs with Buck nice. and Cody. Um, you know, this virtual world right now, doing it from home. So I, I haven't even gotten to see Buck and Cody the whole season. Oh, but no. uh, it's been a, it's been an honor to, to be asked by the Falcons and Fox Five to talk a little talk a little Dirty Birds and, and the Falcons uh, this season. So you now guys tune in Fox Five eleven thirty Sunday night. We're gonna get into them Falcons in a, a little bit as as you had a a nice career with the Birds and everything. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out, man. My dog be super clean. Uh, the suit still fitting real nice. <laughs> Uh, the, the light shine really good off the dome, so he uh he doing a good job on that, man. Uh, Jake, obviously, man, you you've had a, a really really cool career, man. You you've done some good things, high school, college, uh, to what you're doing now. I mean, you've had a a, a really prosperous career for sure, man. I want to uh, go back to your your times in, in Tampa, Florida. Uh, I didn't know this. I was looking up some stuff, and I didn't know this, but it said. You was a record-breaking track star. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I never thought I'd be running track like that, but <laughs> did it did it all. Did the 400, 4 by one four by 4 triple jump. So I uh, got the school record in the triple jump, won the state title in the triple jump. Uh, Jank, was you second place overall? Was you 6'4 in high school, too? Man, I was six fold by one seventy five. A little two pick out there, man. But oh, uh, man. we we was rolling down there in Florida. That's cool, man. All right, uh, I I love to get the uh, kind of situation on how you chose to go to Ohio State. Obviously, that's a long way away from where you were from, but uh, the career you had there was uh, pretty nice. Uh, but go back to the recruiting part of it. How'd you end up at Ohio State? And did you always, you know, feel like you were going to be a Buckeye from the start of the recruiting process? Or how did that all come about? Man, it's crazy. My father was military. So we, we bounced around a little bit. Nothing too crazy. But we lived in Ohio for six years. Um, so I was a little kid at the time. So I didn't really know how big the Buckeyes were back then. But I uh, knew a little bit about them. And 
go through high school, start getting recruited. Uh, the D-line coach uh, was coming down, coming down to see me. And I, for some reason, I just knew Ohio State was a place I at least wanted to visit, at least wanted to go back to Ohio and see it. And, man, when I got there, it was special. Even though when I get, I took my recruiting visit, the Buckeyes back then, I went 6-6 six and six in 99. So that 2000 bowl season, there was no – you couldn't go to a bowl game being 6-6 six and six like you can no. now these days. <laughs> so Everybody go to done. a bowl now. <laughs> yeah, everybody go to a bowl. So back then – Six and six, they were done. All the players that went home, only guys that were there were the guys that had to stay and host recruits. So there was only about eight players from the team there. School was closed. It was cold as balls. The stadium was being, the stadium was being renovated. Couldn't see the stadium. And I still told my dad, like, this was the place I wanted to go. So it was just, it was just something deep down inside uh, that had me excited about trying to be a Buckeye. And it, it worked out all in the end. Yeah, it worked out all right. You, Couple stats here. Your three year, your three year start at Ohio State. Uh, started thirty eight of thirty nine games, uh, one hundred sixty five receptions, uh, almost three thousand yards, averaged seventeen point six yards a catch. Really, Jake? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, sixteen touchdowns. I mean, uh, you did everything uh, that you asked, and I thought it was pretty cool. You had a reception in thirty eight consecutive games. I mean, talk about the pride you took in. Uh, obviously, you had to have QB there to get it to you, but but you had to get open. Talk about uh, what that meant to you to have a uh, every game. Man, that was huge. That means, you know, the staff trusts you, your quarterback trusts you, your team trusts you, knowing that, you know, we're trying to get the ball to Jink, um, knowing that he can help us win, help us get first downs, help us score touchdowns. So it was, you know, I take, took pride and it was an honor to be able to catch a ball in 38 straight games. And probably the biggest thing that I still have to this day, Shock, you ain't say, but I still hold the all-time receiving yardage record. For real? Still got yeah. it? Still got it, man. So Out of all the dudes that came through there, that's yeah. crazy. So hopefully, because they got so many guys coming, they can't get them all the ball. So <laughs> I hopefully have, a, have the record Dang. for a little bit longer. Man, that's a crazy stat right there, man. That's a that's an incredible stat at a place like Ohio State where they put out receivers year in and year out to still hold that. That's pretty cool. Uh your junior year, you go out, you have 61 catches, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. But before we get into the latter part of the career, talk about what it took to get to that point, like the hard work, the discipline you had to put in. Uh, I know you had some struggles to get to that point, but talk about the things you had to go through to get to the point where you turned into, you know, an All-American type of receiver. Man, uh, coming out of high school, man, we ran the wing tee. So you know about that wing T. Wasn't, wasn't no receivers in that offense, really. Um, so when I got to Ohio State, I honestly got recruited as an athlete and had to tell them what position I wanted to play. So being a receiver, I really had to learn in college how to be a receiver. Um, and that took time. That took learning behind um, some seniors that were there, Kenyon Rambo, Reggie Germany at the time, uh, some other recruits that they had brought in and seeing those guys and just – I mean, just grinding. You know how it is, Shock. Just putting yeah. the work in day in and day out. Yeah. Get better. As a freshman, don't see the field as a receiver. All special teams didn't redshirt. Um, and then to go in a, as a sophomore and basically start and have a big year as a sophomore, I mean, it was just a constant grind studying, working with the receivers coach, working with the quarterbacks that we had at the time. And just trying to get better every day. That's all I could do is just get better day by day uh, to where it helped us, you know, win the national championship and – eventually helped me uh, be drafted as a receiver in the first round. Jake, there are a lot of dudes who 
go to these major universities or they go to any university period and they want to be the guy. What was it for you? Maybe the one or two things that helped you become the receiver that you turned into when you first got there. Cause obviously when you first get there, you're the young pup, you got guys ahead of you, like you mentioned, you had juniors and seniors that are ahead of you, but what did it take for you to get to the point where you knew you belonged and the kind of things that helped you become that guy? Man, like I mentioned before, it's just that hard work, that, that grind and that motivation and that determination every day that I wanted to be one of the best. I want, I didn't want to just be a guy that went to Ohio State. I want to be remembered as one of the greats um, with all the greats that have been through there, you know, from Terry Glenn and David Boston, yeah. Joey Galloway. I mean, there's some big names on that list. And just to be mentioned with them, I mean, that was that was kind of a motivating factor internally for me. Right. Um, to, to get there. And I had coaches, I had strength coaches. I had even guys in our room that we all pushed each other to be better, you know, to be great. And, um, you know, even though we, we were in a system where it was three yards in a cloud of dust with Coach Trestle, man, we were going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Hmm. Um, but we knew when we, when we had opportunities to make players on the perimeter, we had to get it done. Man, I think probably one of the most memorable games I think a lot of people remember is that, Oh, two, when you guys played in that championship, we had uh, Morris Claret, who's a good friend of mine, who I played with. I was in Omaha with the Omaha Nighthawks. And I know he was a part of that, uh, that yeah. team. Uh, talk about that Oh, two year, man. Uh, and how you guys got to that game, that moment uh, versus, you know, Miami. And obviously you had one of the biggest catches in that game, fourth and 14 coming up with yeah. a big catch. But what, what was the thing that made you guys so special in that 0-2 year where you guys were able to get to that point? Man, it was a lot. Um, it was Trestle's second year, so guys were really starting to buy in to what, you know, his system and his beliefs. Uh, we really bonded as a team. We had some guys like Mike Doss, who was an All-American as a junior, that came back um, instead of going to the NFL. That was a, a big team captain for us, and – if you watch that season, man, you would thought, man, like these boys ain't that good. Like we, yeah. <laughs> every game, every game was close. You know, we go into overtime with Illinois, you know, only beat Purdue by three and stuff like that. So, but we just knew, man, we had a, we had a special group that year. Uh, we still won every game and leading into that Miami game. I mean, I think we might've been, they might've been favored by three touchdowns because them boys was rolling. I think everybody remembers the talent they had on that team. They had one, yeah. I don't know, <laughs> 35 straight games or something like that. So Stupid. Uh, it was just, it was just a belief in the, in the, the fights that we had all season with other teams and coming together, man, it was a, it was a special bond with that, with that unit. And I think it showed that night, it showed in the draft, 14 players getting drafted after that season. I mean, it was, it was, it was a special, it was a special group. Man. If people don't remember, I, I, I remind you, uh, you guys end up beating them in double overtime, 31 to 24. Uh, but I want to ask you about that fourth and 14 play, man. Did you know the ball was coming your way? Uh, what was your thought process as it was happening? I mean, and then take us to how it felt after you made that play. <laughs> man, it was, uh, it was just another one of those moments during the season where it was like, all right, you know, we got to make this play. Uh, nobody was really too high or too low. Play call was coming in and, a comeback basically was my number one route all season that year. Yeah. Um, and Miami was in their, their typical defense. They're basically like a little two-man. Uh, and got enough to get the first down. Got past the sticks. Crimson 
put it right on the spot. Offensive line gave him time. And just knew, man, once we made that play, that we had really had a chance to win that game. So fourth and 14 against Miami, national championship game. You don't think about how big it is at the moment. Yeah. But, um, you know, looking back on it, man, obviously without that, we don't we don't win that game. Man, that's crazy. Uh, I remember watching that game like, man, this is crazy going back and forth. And uh, you guys end up coming out with the win. Uh, another moment I want to ask you about, man, I was looking up some stuff. I was doing research on my dog, and they said the most memorable moment, they call it the Holy Buckeye versus yeah. Purdue. Talk to me about yeah. what that was about. And, <laughs> I mean, obviously it's one of the big moments, especially in your career, but for all Ohio State fans. Yeah, another one of those close games on the road, Big Ten opponent. I think at the time, I don't know, it was 11-0 or somewhere around there. Uh, down to Purdue, six to three in the fourth quarter, man. Just y'all ain't score no points, Jake. Six ain't to no three, <laughs> six to three, six to three in the fourth quarter, man. And, uh, another one of them situations is like third and fourteen. We got thirteen, fourth and one. You know, everybody thinks we're gonna run the ball, and Trestle calls a pass play, uh, which was basically why shallow. Uh, X in, and we put a little swap. So instead of me running in, I'm supposed to run a post, uh-huh. and uh, I end up just getting on top of the guy and running a go. And Krenzel found me, man. So fourth and one, go go <laughs> for it all. Forty yard bomb, touchdown. And Brent Musburger from ABC was on the call, and he just starts shouting, "Holy Buckeye!" <laughs> it was uh, it was all because of Brent that it got named Holy Buckeye. Hey, that's pretty cool, right there. And it stuck. So you got. Couple of the most memorable plays in Buckeye history for sure, man. That's uh that's pretty cool. All right, your senior year, you go on, have 55 catches for 834 yards, average another 15 yards a catch, and uh having seven touchdowns in that year as well. And people don't people don't give you a lot of credit. You you, you did a little punt return too, so you had some uh, skills <laughs> back there as well. But oh, um, <laughs> need all that. I I hate um Going into that senior year, obviously you had a pretty good season. Uh, but going into the draft, what did you think? Where did you think you were going? Where were you projected? Uh, what was your outlook headed into the draft? Man, that senior year, they said uh, late first round, possibly second round. Um, so I was like, okay. But we had seven or eight guys, receivers, that – could have went first round and ended up being seven guys going first round that Whew. year. Um, so if people kind of go back, that was freaking Fitzgerald, who's still playing. Yeah. Uh, Roy Man. Williams, Reggie Williams, Lee Evans, Michael Clayton, uh, Rashawn Woods, and myself. Bro, the- all y'all, all y'all big receivers, all big, bro. Yeah, I think Lee Evans was the smallest guy uh, out of Wisconsin. But I thought I was going to Tampa for a minute. Uh, Tampa had the 15th pick, and, you know, they came up to the podium and said, you know, Buccaneers select Michael, and they went with Clayton. Oh. Um, you know, so being back at home at Tampa, I was at the house. Um, after that, I kind of had to walk out and just – Walk Ooh. around the block a little bit, just take a little walk, and then Dang. the Falcon. You know, the Falcons had the eighth pick. They took D'Angelo Hall that year, and they end up training up at the end of the first round, out of the second round, and taking me in the first round. So that was, I mean, I couldn't imagine being a Falcon, but it was, it was a blessing. It was an honor to play play there, and you know, have a great career with the Falcons. 
Round one pick, number 29. You get the call. What's the initial reaction? Uh, uh, we, we've talked to a couple guys who talked about when they first got drafted, what it felt like. What was it like for you to get that call and knowing, hey, you're going to go to Atlanta and you're going to be playing with a dude who is the face of the NFL? Man, it was, it was crazy. We all, growing up, uh, seen Vic and the highlight reel that he, he, that he was and – and at the time, um, it was crazy. He hosted me on my visit to Virginia Tech. <laughs> so I got Dang. to meet him and talk to him a little bit. Um, and then to go be drafted by a man, I got that call. And it was, it's just a special day. Your family's around. Um, you know, it changes your life. You get to change your family's life. Right. And it's just a, it's just a really special moment. So I always, I always remember that day. See all these kids getting drafted even today, man. Just know – how special it is when you see see guys break down crying um, because it's I mean it's a lot so it, it's not many people that get that call and be selected especially in the first round man it's a truly a special feeling man that's crazy I I remember going back to my draft day and it wasn't nowhere near the first round Jank it was I had to wait a little <laughs> bit longer uh, than you but uh, I I know the feeling man I know it's one of those crazy moments and you, you get a chance to go to Atlanta. Uh, First couple of years, uh, you end up starting your second year. Uh, I know you played all 16 games in, in 04, got a chance to start in 05, played, started 12 games, 38 catches, 500 yards, had three tubs in the game. 06 started all 16 games. Uh, talk about what was the difference between college and then when you first got to the NFL? What was the biggest difference that you saw from hey, this is what I was able to do at Ohio State, but this is some of the things I couldn't get away with in the NFL? Yeah, man, I know you hear it a lot. A lot of people talking about speed of the game, um, which is true. I mean, you're you're playing with the best of the best in the NFL. You know, you're not getting that, uh, you know, Georgia playing uh, San Diego, you know, San Valley <laughs> State, whatever. You're not getting those cupcake games anymore. You know, you're facing the best of the best every week. Um, and I think more so for me, it was, it was the mental aspect, how much guys prepared, um, because you're all on that same talent level. So it's – where, where can I find this guy's weakness, you know, by watching film, studying, 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 and then preparing myself week in and week out to, you know, try to succeed. So that was, that was kind of the biggest, like, eye opener, like how, how good everybody is at this level. Yeah. What was uh, one of the things that you uh, found intriguing when you first got there and you got a chance to be around seven and you know, see how he uh, slings it? And uh, I know it's different coming from a lefty, how the ball comes into your deep balls, but uh, yeah. what was it? What was some of the the things that impressed you about Mike when you first got to Atlanta? Uh, obviously, you know you see it on TV, and then you know you get to see it up front on the field. And in practice, you were like, ah, man, you know he all right. It's not it's nothing special. Like you know how Mike was right, shoot untied, right. Shoulder pads flapping all over the place, field, just loose. <laughs> uh, and then you get in the game, and all of a sudden, you know, you may run around, and you don't get the ball, and then you get kind of caught up watching in the game because you're like, man, this dude is not about to outrun this corner, you know, cornerback to the sideline, and he does. And all of a sudden, you got to turn around and try to scramble and get a block. Right. Um, so it was just – he was a special talent, man. It, I've never seen – I remember one play in particular where Mike got, got pressured. Guy got a hold of Mike's left arm with the ball. And Mike took the ball and put it in between his legs like a crossover and pulled out with his right and took off and ran for about 40. 
It's just, I mean, you can't, you can't teach stuff like that. Man, yeah. I, I remember when I first got there, and he was actually the first dude I met when I walked into Flowery Branch, and I was like, this dude is crazy. This dude is. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, man, you, leading up to that 08 year, uh, you had been playing well. I mean, 50 catches in 07 for another 500 yards, couple four touchdowns, and – uh, I remember being – I was on the team in 08. We drafted Matt. Matt came in, and I think probably another highlight, most memorable moment for Falcons fans that you had with Ohio State is I remember first play of the ball game, Comet Sink. You got the backside, yep. backside skinny post. Uh, kind of talk us – talk to people through what happened on that play, uh, how it came about, and – you having the honor of having Matt Ryan's first <laughs> touchdown pass of his career on the first pass. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy, man. I, I don't know if it was – you know, we have the script, top 15 plays. Um, you know, Common Sink was in there. Um, and, and Common Sink, for people listening, it's just basically Roddy White's on one side, on the strong side with the tight end. I'm on the back side by myself, and Roddy White's running a curl. Um, I have a skinny post on back side, and it's just it's just reading coverage. Whatever coverage plays kind of dictates where the ball goes. And you see single you know, high beforehand. You see single high. You see that safety <laughs> down, so you know oh, it's coming. <laughs> you know you at least you at least have a chance. Um, and Matt came in, man, from day one and was just putting the ball on the money, giving everybody the opportunity to catch and run. And as soon as I came out that seven step, man, the ball was right there, right up on me. Kind of hit me right up on the shoulder pad. Um, hmm. Safety's out of position. And was able to just catch and run, you know, without being touched. So that was a, a special play. I know it was a special moment for Matt, special moment for me to be a part of that with Matt and the Falcons and really start that year off strong and to get all the way to the playoffs with Matt as a, as a rookie quarterback. It was kind of crazy. I'm going to explain to people. You, you talked about the rock concepts, and we kind of went through it. Well, for people who are listening – if you got like a cover two or you got something, he was going to work to the other side. And mm-hmm. he had single high safety. So that means single high is a safety in the middle of the field. Corners playing off or he could be playing up. But either way, Matt had the opportunity to throw this skinny post in between the corner and the safety. And uh, like you mentioned, hit that seven step, the ball is on you, and you're off. And Matt Ryan gets his first touchdown as a Falcon, and it goes to you. Um, when you're thinking about receivers, man, when you're thinking about due to our playing at an elite level, high level. What do you think it takes for receivers today, not just today, but when you played as well, to be elite? What are the things you look at? Because a lot of people look at, oh, he's got to be a certain size or he has to have the football IQ. For a receiver, kind of explain to people what it takes to be elite on that level. Man, I think people can see just right now, size doesn't matter. You look at Tyreek Hill, who's 5'10". Right. You look at DK Metcalf, who's 6'3", 240, you know. Um, size doesn't matter. It's just – it's a want to. It's a want to to be great. Um, I think I got a great testament from it once Tony Gonzalez came over and he would talk about to the receivers, like, how many balls do we catch a, a day just in practice? Right. You know, we go through a practice. And you go through your script. And you catch some in one-on-ones, a little bit individual, and then you may get – you know, shock four, maybe four or five passes throughout a practice, kind of through the, the, the script, the team script, seven on seven, all that. So Tony was like, think of NBA players, how many shots they put up every day, you know, put up a hundred, 200 shots in the gym. It needs to correlate to us where we're catching 
50, 60 balls a day in practice. Um, so ha- seeing that mindset from Tony and why he's one of the best um, really put in perspective, like, why he's so good. I mean, he's – anytime defense going and he doesn't have to be involved, he's always catching the ball, getting a oh, trainer, or getting a, a equipment guy, hey, just throw me some balls, just throw me some balls, throw me some balls. So he's always working on his craft. And I think that's what it takes to be great to this day, um, no matter what position you're playing. Man, it's funny you bring that up because I remember – that was the only reason why my shoulder would get tired because I wasn't throwing that much in practice, you know. I wasn't getting all the reps. So yeah. every time the offense wasn't on the field or Tony was trying to catch, he was like, shop, let's go catch. Throwing balls, yeah. throwing balls. So uh, I, I definitely remember uh, those years and uh, definitely fun times. You've had the opportunity to be around some characters in the receiving crew, in your receiver room. Talk yeah. about some of the dudes that you played with and if you got you got one or two stories by guys, obviously you and Roddy uh, are tied. You you guys have a, a really great relationship. Uh, talk about some of the guys that you played with and some of the things that uh, you know was fun. We don't want to out the guys too much, but some things that that, that made dudes pretty special. Man, it was it was a special room. Uh, from from starting Ooh. out with Coach Stu, yes sir, yes sir, Stu, uh, a big big personality, great guy to be around. Him leading us, uh, going through the coaches, man. Then going to actually one of the coaches that probably helped Roddy get to where he is, really helped me was uh, Paul Petrino. Um, high energy, would swallow the dip that was in his mouth, wouldn't spit. Um, what you th- what you think about Petrino? Yeah. Uh, Paul Petrino. <laughs> <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, and then going to Terry Robinski, uh, who's somebody that once you meet him, you'll never forget him. Um, no doubt. So many stories. Just a just a nut. Um, yeah. But but is a great coach, a great mentor, a great leader. And then leading to the guys in the room, man. We all know Roddy White. His the things that he's done on and off the field. <laughs> People have seen his tweets. You know, he doesn't hold back. You know, nah, nah. Uh, if he's feeling a certain way, he's gonna let everybody know how he feels. Uh, yeah. Just a special guy, but that guy worked hard on the field, man. Awesome competitor. Always wanted to compete. Hated losing. Uh, it's a reason why he's in the Ring of Honor. Reason why he's nominated. You know, as a Hall of Fame finalist. Um, and then you, you go to a guy like Brian Finneran. Uh, big salty, you know, you know, big salty. Always, always <laughs> upset about something. <laughs> but that guy, man, that guy, six four white guy, played thirteen years in the NFL. Man, you would have never known uh, yeah. just looking at him. But true competitor, um, one of my one of my closest and dear friends. Man, he was awesome to be around. He always held you accountable for sure. He yeah. was trying to find you, trying to find you for everything. We had a fine book. So if you ever got, if you ever dropped the ball, if you ever missed an assignment, if you ever late to a meeting, say something, say something questionable, say something questionable. <laughs> if you got caught, if you got caught, if you were single, you got caught kissing in the club. That was fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Finn, oh, Finn took all the fines, man, he, and he okay. held you accountable to it. Um, you go to Eric Weems, big special teams guy, um, great friend played in the league another you know 12 year career yeah um was a special dude man that it was 
I mean, I can go down the list. Harry Douglas is doing extremely well in media right now. Um, I mean, there's, there's some special guys in that room uh, that we're still friends to this day. And yeah. it's, it, was, it was a pleasure, you know, playing with, alongside those guys. Jackie left the Falcons, went on to play for the Vikings for a little bit. Um, did some good things with Minnesota. Uh, ended up hanging it up. Uh, I want to ask you about our, uh, the current Falcons right now. Uh, and let's start with a guy who is arguably one of the top receivers in the game. Uh, from your perspective, as seeing tons of receivers over your years, being a, a dominant receiver yourself, what makes Julio Jones so special? I mean, people can see the size, they can see the speed, but you know the nuances. What makes Julio Jones so special? Man, it's, he like you said, he has all the intangibles. Um, and if, if people kind of follow the Falcons, they, there's Julio don't talk much. Yeah. But when he do talk, um, you know, he's laying wisdom on those young guys and just giving them the little techniques that it takes to be great, to kind of take it to the next level, where it's body control on the sideline, where it's understanding coverages and learning how to sit in zones and not run through zones and being available for Matt. Um, you know, different techniques off the line. He, he does it all. Um, willing to block, come down and hit safeties, come down and crack linebackers and D linemen. I mean, you know, we've we've seen a guy, man, he's battling a hamstring injury and he still goes out, catches the ball for 20 and then limps off the sideline, you know. So he's I mean, he he's a, a true competitor, keeps his mouth quiet, stays out of trouble, stays out of the limelight, and that's the reason why he's, you know, he go down as one of the greatest receivers of all time. Man, you talk about greatest receivers. Uh mentioned that you've seen a bunch of them. Uh who you think are the top receivers in the game right now? Um don't have to be in any particular order, but who do you think of the guys that uh, obviously are doing it at the highest level week in and week out? Man, I, it's a it's a bunch of great receivers out there right now. I, I still keep Julio up there. Yeah. Uh, Devontae Adams for sure. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, man. Uh, playing at an unbelievable level. Um, you can't hit on little Tyreek, man. He's that's nobody. No doubt. It, <laughs> I, I, was, I was listening to something, and Mahomes said, that he's never seen a team cover Tyreek one-on-one. So when this last game, when he had 200 yards in the first quarter, they said he was covered one-on-one, so they took advantage of it. Like, <laughs> that's why they that's don't. what happens. And yeah. that's what happens. You leave him one-on-one, <laughs> and this guy goes for 200 in the first quarter. Um, but, I mean, there's so many great receivers around the league, especially these young guys. I mean, you see guys like Jefferson, Justin Jefferson come in, C.D. Lamb, mm. Jerry mm. Judy. Mm. Uh, you know, it's a lot of great receivers out there playing at a high level that'll be around for years to come. Jake, before we let you get out of here, bro, I got to ask you about your Buckeyes. Um, obviously, it's been a little bit different now with this COVID-19 and uh, not having to have a bunch of games and Ohio State's in them right in the middle of that right now. Um, what do you think of the Buckeyes right now? Do you think they have an opportunity uh, to win a national championship? No, they were close last year. Uh, Justin Fields is, you know, an extremely good talent. Uh, they got some some dudes out there who uh, can get it at receiver. Uh, yeah. What do you think the chances of Ohio State this year, man? Man, if they can stay healthy with all this COVID, man, they got a they got a strong chance. Um, our offense is is clicking on all levels. Um, you know, Fields had one kind of rough game with Indiana, showing some <laughs> stuff, and he threw through his first few picks of the year. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's, it's all about the defense. If we can stay healthy, you know, despite COVID and all that, it's our defense. You know, we lost 
Arnett and um, Akuda at corner. Uh, Chase Young, you know, those yeah. some those some big names. First rounders that it's tough to replace, um, and so it's going to be tough to stop teams like Clemson, Alabama. You know, Notre Dame's playing well. Yeah. Florida, you know, even even your Georgia boys with JT Daniels, man. I think JT Daniels is finally the guy that they needed back there. You now that he's healthy, um, seeing him come in and throw for 400 yards. Um, but if we get in, man, we have enough games to qualify to get in. I think I think Fields has something, you know, that he wants to prove that you know get at least gets in national championship this year. So I really like our chances. You like uh, Olave receiver? I know he's a a guy who's one of his uh, go-to players. And every time I watch Ohio State, that dude making plays yeah. all over the field. You think he's got that that next level, the next big receiver for Ohio State? I think so. With him, uh, Garrett Wilson, I mean, those guys are playing at a, at a high level right now. And Olave's smooth, man. He kind of he reminds me of Ridd. Yeah. Seeing Calvin Ridley out there just sliding and gliding on people. And, you know, Olave has a lot of those, you know, attributes as well. So um, it's good to see him playing at a high level. Jake, we already talked about uh, you being on TV and the media and uh, people can watch you on Fox 5, but uh, uh, let people know the other things you got going on, man. And uh, I love people. It's always better to talk about the family and kind of boast about them a little bit. So uh, first off, talk about some of the things you're doing now and then uh, some of the things you're proud of, you know, with your family and everything. Oh, man. Well, myself, man, I never thought I'd be sitting in brain surgeries, but that's that's what I do now, man. I sell medical equipment. Uh, to neurosurgeons, so I work for a company called Stryker. Uh, it's been it's been great to me and my family, and it's been a, actually honestly a great second career yeah. uh, where I kind of can set my own schedule and be on shows middle of the day. I'm not sitting at an office <laughs> nine to five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah jump yeah. on jump on podcast. So it's uh, it's been it's been a pleasure uh, working with Stryker so far. It's only been 18 months, man, but it's been it's been an amazing journey so far. Bro, first uh, before you talk about your family, how did you get into brain surgery and, and stuff like that. I mean, uh, Man, I just, I, I know, I know a bunch of guys that I played with at Ohio state that have been with striker since they got out of college, you know, they didn't make it to the league and they had to find, you know, they had to find a career. So right, right, I right. always kept in touch with them. They said, man, this is something that, you know, striker likes to hire athletes, ex athletes. Um, so just give it a shot, apply where you can. And man, that corporate world interview process ain't no joke. <laughs> But uh was able to get with the right people to, that was able to lead me and clean things up um, and, you know, got hired. And it's been a blessing, man. So nice, nice, nice. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool to be able to save people's lives and remove tumors from people's brains and spines and stuff like that, man. So it's, yeah. a, it's a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no doubt. But uh, going into people know I got five kids, three boys, two girls. Uh, oldest one is a daughter who just signed her national letter of intent to play soccer on a full ride scholarship at Mercer University nice. down in Macon. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, man. So that's that's one out of five down. I need all five. <laughs> to get a scholarship. Man, <laughs> it don't have to. It don't have to be sports. You know, I'm, I'm happy man. no matter what they do. But yeah. uh, it's awesome to see. Um, my son Brendan is a wide receiver at Mill Creek High School right now. They just they just lost in the first round of playoffs, but. Uh, uh, he he had a, a really good season, first year on vars, full year on varsity. So excited about that and see where his future goes. He says he wants to be a Buckeye. Shock! I don't know if he's gonna stay in the SEC. Hey, man. last time I talked yeah. to him, bro, he said you know he leaned towards them dogs. That's all I'm saying. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we, we, hey, oh. dogs off from full ride. I don't care where he goes, man. Yeah. You know, but uh, uh, and then you know I got Bryce who's twelve. 
12, Chase, a girl who's 11, and Mason, who's soon to be 10. Um, you know, I, I love the kids. Yeah. Super happy to see their, their growth and, you know, where God leads them in life. Man, that's pretty cool. You know, I, what made me think about uh, when, you, when you talk about your daughter. So this past weekend, I was on the Vanderbilt game where they had Sarah Fuller was yeah. the, the kicker. She plays soccer and she ended mm-hmm. up kicking. Uh, and my daughter, who is 10, she was like, Daddy, I'm going to watch your game, but I'm really watching because I want to see the girl kick. Yeah. <laughs> Did your, your daughter get a chance to see that, or did she hear about it? And if she did, you know, what, what kind of thoughts did she have on it? She didn't get the chance to see it, but she heard about it. Um, and she was like, she out there really wearing shoulder pads and everything. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she got to wear everything. Um, wow. But she thought it was super cool. Um, and, uh, you know, Sarah Fuller actually showed one of her highlights where she kicked the ball as a goalie from about midfield and assisted on a goal. Yeah. Um, let people know, you know, not to forget, this is what I, you know, what I really do. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's a, a special moment, man, for her to do that and, and be the first to do it, man. It's, it's really cool to see, like you said, you got your your daughter sitting there watching college football just because she's a part of it, you know. Right, so right, it's right. A, a special thing. Well, Jack, man, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. It's been a blessing. I appreciate you as a friend, man. I appreciate you joining the show. Uh, when I hit you up about it, you, you had nothing but, yeah, when you want me to do it, let's do it. So I appreciate you, man. You've had a great career. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot out of the behind-the-scenes stories and some of the stuff that you've been through. But it's been actually cool to uh, have you on, man. Uh, people can find you on Mike Jink 12 on IG and Mike Jink 84 on Twitter. But uh, I appreciate you joining, bro. It's always a pleasure and uh, always been a stand-up dude, bro. Thanks, Shock. I appreciate you having me on, man. All right, man, this has been the Triple Threat Podcast with my guy, Michael Jenkins. Continue to subscribe, continue to listen, and you get more great behind-the-scenes stories like we had today. Jake, appreciate you, man. And don't forget, Triple Threat Podcast. Holla. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.